This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Croissant, hello and thank you for joining us for the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Whether you've been mulling your wine, stood under the ollie and the ivy, or maybe you've just been watching Wrexham destroy Solihull Moors on Boxing Day, uh, we hope you've had a fantastic festive period. We got the three points we waited for, the best gift until last. On today's podcast, myself and Nath will look back at that win over Solihull on Boxing Day. Analyse the game, where it was won um, and lost for Solihull Moors in particular. Take a look back at 2022 following Wrexham and look ahead. Well, the New Year's clash again with Solly Hull. So that all I have to do now is to introduce my guest. I'm delighted to say he's overcome his festive illness. Uh, Naif, how are you doing, mate? Are you feeling are you feeling better? I'm, I'm feeling refreshed. I feel like Harry Lennon or Jacob Mendy, you know, coming back into the side, uh, back feeling fit and fresh. Uh, the only thing that's nagging me is I've got a... Uh, I've got a fire alarm that keeps pinging now and again uh, that it's low battery and I don't have the correct screwdriver so there was no cross-headed screwdriver in my stock in this year unfortunately and now I'm paying the price but other than that mate uh, I'm glad to be back it felt weird felt weird not doing a podcast and we also got lots of messages of people saying where is the podcast we can't do without Rob Ryan Red which is very nice but yeah glad to, glad to be back on mate. So if we hear any beeping, it's not because we're censoring your potty mouth. It's because the, <laughs> no, the fire alarm's going off. Okay, that that makes yes, sense. Um, Christmas, any Wrexham-related gifts for you this uh, this Christmas? Um, I mean, what did I get? It was mainly my dad that got some Wrexham-related gifts. He got the green zip-up and uh, some so- all sorts of scarf. And I don't know. I think we've raided. I think between the family house, we've raided the shop for home away third every possible kit. What about you? Did you get any Wrexham? I saw a lot of Wrexham related. I'll tell you what I got. I got a picture, like a, an artist picture that I put in a frame of Robin Ryan, which was very cool. So what about you? Any Wrexham related stuff? We started big. We got, for some reason, four identical Wrexham air fresheners for the car. I know it smells bad, but four is a bit of overkill. That should do me until next Christmas. Do you, are also... they using all four at once? What, what, no, what are they, they to be replaced? Are... 
they are going to be replenished intermittently. Um, maybe quarterly this year, we'll get our new air freshener in the car. And like you, I also got some lovely uh, Wrexham prints as well. And got one in particular from the Pencil Craftsman, um, who I know lots of you all know. Great work. Lovely. Which one did you now. get? I got the Mullen Which print because Paul Mullen, as we'll get onto in this podcast, is probably my favourite ever Wrexham player. And that'll give me a chance actually quickly to plug uh, plug Hypnotic, as we always do, the Wrexham-based band who sponsor the podcast and help out their new song, The Wrexham Way. Please keep streaming that on Spotify. It's a really good uh, song that summarises what it's like being a Wrexham fan, oddly enough. But I have written a piece for 442, which will be Oy. out in the February issue, I believe, and it's my best and worst Wrexham experiences. So they've asked me for my oh. favourite ever Wrexham player, my least favourite Wrexham player. There's my favourite... Uh, away day following Wrexham, my least favorite away day following Wrexham, and then there is my best ever Wrexham 11 and my worst ever Wrexham 11. And there's some corkers in there. So, 442 in February, I will tweet a link closer to the time and maybe give you a little extract of, of my worst team or something. You can fill in the blanks. But yeah, that's one that's coming up. Naif, then, Solihull, Boxing Day. I was there, you streamed it. Yeah, I had to st- again. I I never can seem to get Boxing Day off work. I always seem to um, look out there because of all, like I say, in our, in our job, all the football that's on. So I streamed it. I watched it. Um, rest of the family went. And I have to say, th- this sounds really weird to say now, isn't doesn't it? Because they they lost five nil. But I actually thought Solihull, at least for the first forty minutes, I thought looked a decent side. I thought they looked a step up on what we'd had at home. Um, Particularly when Andy Dallas bursts through past Mendy, Mendy recovers well. But I thought Andy Dallas's pace looked really good. They didn't have Joe Spara; he was carrying a knock. We were told, um, and they they didn't even fill their subs bench, so they were really down to the bare bones. But thought they really looked looked pretty good, and I and I felt like we looked like a team where a lot of those players hadn't played football for for a good couple of weeks, and it showed. But once we kicked into gear and we Moved into gears three, four, and five. Yeah, we we were unstoppable, weren't we? It was an incredible second half display. I thought it was uh, absolutely brilliant. And 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 for me, best home performance of the season because you, people might scoff at Solihull and say they they're not all that, but you know the table would suggest they are a very good side and and one of the best we faced, if not the best we've faced at home this season. They're a very different side. This uh sort of new look Solihull to the the Tim Flowers side, who were more robust and no-nonsense, sort of a ruthless non-league side, who were pretty tough to watch on the eye, really. But, yeah, I thought it was a really, really good performance and we played really well. It did sort of snowball, uh, to use a festive sort of phrase, after the after the red card for Cal Storer, which was a clear, clear red card. And, you know, we get three goals in the space of seven minutes and, and that, that really puts a shine on the scoreline. I thought... If the game had played out sort of normally with 11 versus 11, I think we win that 2 0 or sort of 3 1. I think the clean sheet's massive. Obviously, there was very little threat from Solihull after after the red. But like you said, it was quite a tame first half, quite quite sluggish because, like we said, lots of their players, uh, lots of our players didn't play in that trophy game. Um, and it felt like the two sides were sort of finding each other out. I, I don't think that Solihull ever really. Had me worried they were going to score though. Um, although that, that have... was the yeah, that's a fair point, Rich. They they didn't really, and that's what I'll say. For as much as I was bloviating about, especially as well as I was saying to my parents and stuff about 
Um, I was quite impressed with Solihull for for the first period and whatnot. Didn't actually really force Mark Howard into many saves. You know, Barnett down the right, I thought, looked lively without doing a lot um, in terms of actually end product. You know, they were flashing the ball across here and there. There were, there were chances, but, you know, you'd have to say it was it was one of Howard's more comfortable afternoons, I thought. And I, I say that's all credit to to the defenders really in front of him. I think they did do a really good job. Um, yeah, it, it seems weird, doesn't it, that it, it's only weeks ago, it's the start of the season that we were saying the, the defence was our sort of weakness this season. We'd gone from being so resilient last campaign, obviously it tailed off with Hayden's injury, to now leaking goals this season. But I thought Tozer, you know, he's really got a grip of that defensive sort of role now. Hayden, still defending brilliantly. I know he loves to score goals and he got another 10 for the season now for him. And and Tunnicliffe, I think he has been so good since he came in because he had a real, maybe difficult way in that he wasn't Max Cleworth. And lots of us love Max because what he represents, he's a great lad and still learning his trade. But Tunnicliffe was an exciting addition. There was signs of him being another Sean Brisley. He's put them to bed emphatically. He's been brilliant. And yeah, it's it's fantastic. And if you look at the league table now, it's taken a little while, but Wrexham have the best defence in the National League again. We've only conceded 19 goals across the opening 23 matches. Um, Southend have the next best defence with only 21 goals conceded. But Wrexham, yeah, brilliant. We've scored 60, so we've got the second highest goal output and we've conceded the fewest. I think that's really healthy and you, hopefully you that we can keep everyone Barnett, fit and... Barnett scored five, didn't they, against us? So you think that that you know that is an anomaly. Defense defensive record is really, really good. You think about we've we've had certain games where we've maybe you know they've conceded more than we should have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. So um it all credit and I think as well it, it was it was interesting where and we'll get, we'll get on to Mendy specifically, but you know there was an argument that McFadden had been playing pretty well and, and had probably have earned a start had he started on Boxing Day at at uh, left back. Obviously, Riesel Johnson impressed in the trophy game, scored uh, and looked lively, and you know is pushing Anthony Ford there. So there's so many options. Harry Lennon, um, you know, had a had a tough start to the trophy game, but really you'd have to say. Is it is it reminiscent of that side? Where, what season was it? A couple of seasons ago, where Rob Lainton ended up getting a club record number of clean sheets. You was know, that, that seventeen eighteen? Was, was, was it? that was that Pearson and Smith? Maybe I think James it was. Jennings, something was like that, that. Kevin Roberts as well. I can't remember who was right back for that team. Twenty grand, Kevin Roberts. There you go. Um, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure off the top of my head. I've, I'm I'm that frazzled trying to remember all these other things. But you know that was a, a, an unbelievable, wasn't it? We had Rob Lainton in goal, and now you think. Hang on, we're we've got the best defence in the league, and Rob Lainton is our at the minute is that is our number two. It's absolutely remarkable. It really, really is. It's it's you know an embarrassment of riches that that's available to Park in. And I was saying this the other day to somebody that I actually think it, it's it, it's it's going under the radar how good of a job Parky's doing in terms of man management. There are so many players in that team that deserve to be starting at pretty much every National League club, and and probably higher. And he's somehow able to keep this harmony in the group. And I get when you're winning, it's easy to do that. But there are so many, you know, for example, Andy Cannon came in to great expectation. Struggled by, you know, probably by, by he, he would admit that himself, by his own admission in that trophy game through a lack of fitness. You know, wasn't even in the squad 
uh, again, on Boxing Day against Solihull and you've got Jordan out there, you've got to try and keep him happy. I think what Parkey's doing in terms of his man management is is in a way maybe going under the radar. I think you can even broaden that out to say everything he's doing is a bit under the radar because, again, because we've got so much money, so much backing, so much expectation to go up, it's easy to sort of write off what Parkey's doing as a manager and say, well, what anyone could anyone could do that. I could get Wrexham promoted. Well, it's far easier said than done, and it, you know maybe we still could though. Maybe maybe we could do it though as like a, a duo. Maybe we'd have the motivational team talks locked down. You, you, you're I a big FM player. Run, I think we'd soon run out of any sort of backing from the players that we'd lose the dressing room true, yes, and they'd realise that I know Julian Nagelsmann didn't play professional football but I feel like he understands the, the game a little bit better than me but, hey, whereas look, I would just be a pure passion merchant and and try and you know inject it into their veins but I think we just need to give Parky that credit and of course yeah, definitely. ultimately the, the, the problem for him is that it's promotional bust really there's not going to be much lenience or mitigation uh, if we don't go up, even if it is dodgy referee decisions against us, what, a string Rich, of what's injuries. It, what's it, Rich, what's it going to take points-wise? Just put you on the spot now. I've got to figure in my... I think it will take 102 points, I think, to win the league. I, yeah, the I was going to say I've just over 100 because I can't see either of us dropping off dramatically. I think we'll both have patches where we we drop games. It's really hard to see. But, but you're going 100-plus. I think 100 plus and I'm going to again put my neck on the line here and say whoever finishes second won't go up because I think right. it's going to be so hard to pick themselves back up for the playoffs. I would always rather go into the playoffs having finished fourth and be on the sort of good run of form rather than finish second having just missed out because it's, I think it is yeah. so difficult to pick yourself suppose, up again. I suppose the new system is slightly is is, is more favourable, isn't it? In terms of you just got that one game you said at that home. last season. We did, we did, we did. But I think you know it it is a more favourable scenario than being in that fourth to to seventh spot. Oh, I just want to quickly plug a piece I wrote, a comment piece about three up, three down, and I laid out the argument, and it's on my Twitter at Natesot One, or it was retweeted as well on Rob Ryan Red. Um, and it's you know there was a story that came out about the EFL are open and looking into three up, three down for the conference. Um, and it could be as early as next season. So it won't have any bearing in terms of this, this campaign, but, and hopefully for Wrexham, it doesn't matter really in, in terms of the national league side of things. But I laid out, you know, Gillingham, Colchester, Hartlepool and Rochdale, you know, between them, they're going to end up on something like 30. They're projected to get something like 35 points or less um, come the end of the season. And I think Gillingham have won, 10% of their matches so far, you know, ridiculously low figure. And I laid out that two of those teams will survive. You know, two of those, you're basically rewarding mediocrity. It's just a case of, are you worse than me? And, and the others will, will survive. So, and, and you know, potentially you're going to have knots or Wrexham get 9,800 points and then, and they're not going to go up potentially. So, you know, that's not right in, in terms of any, um, forget, forget bias and all that. It's just not right from a competitive point of view so if you want to read my my thoughts maybe a thousand words or so on that go dig it out i think it's good i would say that i wrote it but um yeah three up three down i mean it's i'll believe it when i see it but hopefully rich for rex we said that about streaming though didn't we Uh, what what have you made of the streaming then because we we said good i can never see that happen in the national league i've not watched a game on on the stream platform yet i'm gonna do solihull uh, when we play them next week but what's Mm. it been like 
I would. I've got to hold my hands up as well. I, you know, someone from the league office told me that it was a a BBC deal. Um, that they'd struck a deal with BBC to provide the commentary, and at Eastleigh that was the case. But it seems like with Wrexham they've able they've been able to use a you know use a, a specific commentator that they want for the stream. So that's a be- that's a benefit I think in terms of having a dedicated commentator. Um, it's I mean the stream is good. It it's it's not it's not it's not, it's not Sky Sports Monday Night Football or Super Sunday or whatever. But it's it's good. It's good enough. You can watch the game. You're getting multiple replays. You know, for example, it gave me the replay that Paul Mullins strike in the second half that bounced underside of the bar hadn't crossed the line. You know, and I was getting text saying it's definitely over the line, it's definitely over the line. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, well, that was you. I'm not trying to out you here, but uh, on the replay, it proved that it had landed flush on the line and, and hadn't gone over. So, um, from that side of things, I just wish there was the ability to replay the match. You know, I, I kind of wish you've paid for it. I kind of just wish there was the ability to watch it you know you want to go back and, and watch the game in full or skip on or whatever that's being nitpicky but you know if you've paid for the pass it shouldn't just necessarily expire i think uh when the game's you know technically actually finished um but yeah, yeah i'd like the that... archive option particularly if you can't watch it live but you do want to watch the full game yeah I'd, I, I think that's a great idea going forward and hopefully there is going to be sort of a feedback you know form or something that you can submit and get some some advice to the National League of, of ways to improve it. Obviously, it is a, a still a new system that's you're learning as you go along. There's always going to be teething issues, but I look forward to to watching it next week. Now, if, if we get onto the actual performance. Who stood out for you? I mean, for me, Jacob Mendy Mendy was a clear man of the match. He, you forget almost how good he is uh, and what he offers. A lot more attacking than McFadzian, but defensively a, a bit sloppier, you, you would say. Elliot Lee in midfield, um, I think he still does somewhat divide opinion. Some Wrexham fans love him and, and think he's absolutely class. Some maybe a bit annoyed that he doesn't have the the goal contributions and maybe as as telling an impact on matches because he does lots of little things that don't always catch the eye. And then you've got Mullen and Palmer who always score Mullen hat-trick. Where do you want to start? Should we start with Mendy? Yeah, I mean, have we ever, have we even, have we ever revealed this about uh, Mr. Rob Ryan Red sponsor, Jacob Mendy? Mendy. I don't think we ever have, have we? We've, we've well, signed we... up, we've pledged our support, pledged our allegiance to... Um, Jacob Mendy, whenever he's away from home, haven't we? So if you ever check the programme, you'll see our name there, Rob Ryan yeah. Red. Well, so... the tragedy of that was that we sponsored Jacob Mendy Mendy's away shirt and the game after is when he got injured. That was, and we cursed him. We definitely cursed him. We cursed him. him and then there was no sort of way to sort of post it on social media. We just wanted him to focus on getting back to back to full fitness. Yeah, and never it announced it. Ill-timed. So yeah, we, we, we've put some... Money where our mouth is. We're sponsoring Jacob Mendy Mendy for for the rest of the season, and I think maybe maybe this will um, be revisionism or bias because people say that we've got you know a foot in the camp. But I do think he's been absolutely brilliant, and he was great to watch. Again, he's just he's really fun. He, he gets me off my seat. Yeah, it's it's pace and power, isn't it? You know, two two things that a lot of other players do not like running at them you know and, and I think you saw for his assist for the Hayden goal I mean what a finish that is by Aaron Hayden 10 for the season ridiculous numbers what is he two behind Ollie Palmer in the league now which is crazy um 
But you just saw from Mendy, his positioning, you know, you think oh, the, the chances may be gone, he's had to turn back inside, and yet, no, you can just kind of turn, hit the byline. And I love the fact we've got wide players who hit the byline, you know. You think back to when we had McAlinden filling in at right wing back and he would always want to cut inside and, and come in on his left foot. And We've seen it again at times with Bryce and players want to drift inside now, but Mendy typically will just want to hit the byline. He's going to have the pace. He'll have the power to kind of hold him off and, and, and keep keep that shoulder strong. And all right, he, you know, I saw a lot of people were disputing him getting man of the match and I could see that, you know, there were arguments for Elliot Lee. Mullen obviously scores the hat-trick. Tom O'Connor, I thought, played well. There we go, that, that damn fire alarm. Um, and But I, I think Mendy played well. I think you've got to understand that he, he shone for me in that trophy game when he was his first coming back, trying to get his fitness back. And I thought he impressed again. You know, I, I, think I, I, was, I, I was kind of taken aback by, by some of the criticism. I thought Mendy made things happen and, and he's only going to get better. And, you know, he's somebody that I think every team in the division would take if, if they could get him. That's what I love as well, is the fact that we've signed someone who was great in the league already, someone who's established. I know there's always going to be a preference to get the the best quality players you can, and that naturally means you look up the ladder. But so often we've seen teams who have been successful at this level who've just built themselves by getting a really good non-league team together, buying players from the, the North and South, buying players from the National League itself, and and, and then assembling a team. And I think it's just been a breath of fresh air and I think it's so crucial, particularly with the setup, with the tactical approach that we've got. We all know Parkey is going to play free at the back. That is his thing. There's no point in trying to argue about changing that really. But it works wonders when you've got the right fullbacks. And for some games, it will be a defensive duo. McFadden still has a key role to play, but in games, particularly those home ones where the onus is on you to attack, Mendy just offers so much going forward. He's great on the overlap. He relishes having the ball at his feet, loves taking his man on. Okay, the end product's not always going to be there. He's playing in the fifth tier. There's a reason for that, but I just love his approach, and I think that fans really admire that as well because you you can never have a go at him for a lack of effort. He's always going to try something and, and to do something that, that can get you off your seat, like I said earlier. So a real, real pleasure to, to watch him play. And Rich, sometimes it's a, sensational sometimes the for argument, the third goal. Yeah, Sometimes there's the argument that attack is the best form of defence, though. You know what I mean? You could say, and McFadden's no no scrub, as I was saying, in terms of American sport, no scrub in terms of going forward. He obviously can put a ball, and we've seen him get multiple assists for Mullen before now. But I just think that pace for Mendy... He's just got that little bit more zip to him, and that that will that will make a player think twice about bombing on forward and leaving too much room in behind. So you think when Notts County come to the racecourse in Chesterfield, I can see the appeal of playing McFadden, but also, you know, is Mendy going to put more fear into someone like a Jeff King or someone like that who, who we know himself is going to want to attack it? I, I personally, Mendy's got to have that run now between now and the end of the season, and and hopefully he's as consistent as the beep in my in my fire alarm. Mate. I hope he is as well. Um, so if we move on to another area of the pitch, and we mentioned Leah, I did briefly there, but uh, around me in particular, he does seem to divide opinion somewhat because, like I said... Why is he, that, mate? Why do you think? 
well, what part one is because he's not Jordan Davis, who is, you know, the poster boy of Wrexham, really, the local lad who, who can do no wrong, had a fantastic goal output last season. Elliot Lee, I think his his style is less... Let, let's try and think. He's, he's not sort of a focal number 10, someone who plays between the lines and, and hovers on the edge of the box. He, he drifts around the midfield, picks up the ball here and there, and I guess his influence on the game can sometimes be passive. And I don't mean that as in he's a passenger. I mean, he picks up the ball, uh, moves it along, um, links up the play. He's not always the centre of attention. There's moments as well where he beats a player and you're almost wishing he has a shot, but he tries a pass and it can get intercepted or it doesn't come off quite as much. So there's an element of frustration there at times, I think, in regards to his end product and maybe that he just doesn't get the goals and the assists and there's so much more to football than than the numbers. But I think there is uh, a, maybe a proportion of the support, the fan base who who do think he needs to be getting more goals and more assists you also wonder I, I think i think he i think he i think he tries to make things happen though do you know what i mean i think maybe you you get this from watching man united but it, it, obviously to a lesser extent but it, it, is is it the a similar thing with Bruno Fernandes. There was definitely a period where he would give the ball away a lot but it high was high risk high passes yeah exactly and i feel like Elliot, I, that's personally what I think Elliot Lee does a lot of the time is that when he gives the ball away, I think it's for high risk. And if it pays off, it's a great assist. And if it doesn't, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking out of pocket there. I don't know. But I, I definitely recall a period where friends of mine who are Man United fans were talking about Bruno Fernandes is so frustrating because he would give the ball away and he might go missing in a game and, and all that sort of thing. And I think there's a similar kind of free movement, free role that, that Lee sort of adopts. That, that is slightly different to anyone else in that squad. I'd almost say I'd almost say that Elliot Lee reminds me more of a sort of a Mason Mount attacker midfielder, someone who was integral for England at the World Cup, but derided by a lot of fans. I think he's got a similar sort of skill set. He isn't he isn't sort of your traditional number ten in terms of someone who gets those goals, gets loads of assists, he's on all the free kicks and stuff. But he is someone like I said. It's his link up play. He has so much intelligence. And there's a moment in every single game where Elliot Lee gets the ball and you think, this guy is too good for this level. He makes it look so effortless and easy. And yeah, I think he's brilliant. I think he, he's I like his first asset. step. I, like his, I think his first step and his acceleration out of that first step is really, really good. And you know, I think it's deceptively... There were times in that Solihull game where maybe you know they were a little bit stretched anyway. We'd go down, gone down to 10. But he, he would get the ball and he would be able to burst into the space really, really quickly and it would launch that counter. I yeah, he like drags he the team forward, at, doesn't he? I, he yeah, get, I think he does a lot in terms of dragging us up the pitch when, when we're maybe camped in a little bit. And you can almost see it. It's, it there's, so, there's moments where it looks like the, the Wrexham team are sort of wearing wellies or something and they, they can't quite get that momentum. And then you give it to Elliot Lee and he's like a little whippet. He just races forward, drags the ball behind him, and there you go, he's off. He is a joy to watch, and he can control the tempo of a game. He... I'll tell you what, they got stuck in as well. Is Those white shirts were muddy as hell. I mean, how many kind of aerial tablets were you going to need to clean that up? They were, they were basically all covered in mud by the end. I mean, him, Luke Young was in the thick of it. And also what I'd say on, on terms of Lee, before we crack on, is... Lee, they all have different skills. That three in the in the midfield at the minute, which you think would 
would be it until maybe Cannon's fully fit. And even then, you know, Tom O'Connor's playing really, really well at the minute. I think he's 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 getting the plaudits he deserves. They all they're all different players. Three of them, they're all totally different. And there's no argument that you know Jones and Young are really similar, or O'Connor and they're not. They're, they're three completely different. Young is that kind of terrier in there. He's always putting his foot in. He's not going to shirk a challenge. And you know, I'm really glad to see him getting his flowers this season. You look at Lee, kind of a free spirit, technically far better than this level, potentially one of the most technically gifted footballers on the team in the league. And then you look at Tom O'Connor, really neat, tidy, does things really well, and his intelligence is really high, his football intelligence, his passing range is really, really good. So he kind of knits it together. You know, you've kind of got Luke Young zipping about, he covers, you know, the, the cliche that he covers every blade of grass, but he's everywhere, Luke Young. I mean, wherever you look, he's all over the place. And and same for Lee, but Lee can maybe, amazingly, given how good he is, he can sort of escape markers really, really well. He knows how to find pockets of space. And I, I think th- that's really, really I, clever and undervalued. I think that's almost what can sometimes work against him as well, is the fact that he he's happy to drift wide and to drop deeper to pick up the ball. Whereas I think Jordan is a more focal number 10, someone who you always know he's going to be on the edge of the box. He'll pick up the loose ball. He will always be an outlet there. Whereas Elliot Lee is someone who, who who sort of floats around a bit more. So they're two very different players. I think that's basically it. And some, some fans will prefer Jordan's approach. Some will prefer Elliot's approach. But I love them both for, for different reasons. Naif, I mean, I made a, a horrible sort of mulled wine, mullen wine pun at the start of the podcast. I liked it. I liked it. I like all of your kind of puns and jokes, mate. Where do we start with this guy? Because another hat trick, his third for Wrexham this season. He now has, I did the maths before, is it 35 league goals in 2022? He's going to give it a good go of getting a second golden boot. The finishes again okay maybe not his sort of greatest demonstration of how good a striker he is but it's that poachers sort of play just clinical natural finishing ability and he just gobbles goals i mean in mullen is i think that that hat trick against solihull means it's only i think he's only the third player in wrexham history to get a minimum of three hat tricks in a season so he had juan ugarte Personally, my all-time favourite Wrexham player. He got at least three. And then the old Tommy Bamford, who else? And Paul Mullin. So, you know, he's in he's in esteemed company, you would say. And this, this was unlike... This was a hat-trick and almost a performance unlike many Paul Mullin performances, in my opinion. It was... They were poacher finishes. And that's not, not a knock on him at all. They're really, really good goals to see go in because in the right place at the right time and you know when 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 he started scoring at the beginning of the last season we saw unbelievable efforts Dagenham at home curling in used his head really effectively against was it Notts County and Chesterfield these were just really instinctive finishes positioning himself in the right place you know Ollie Palmer hits the post uh, and he gets that one one's a following late on I thought he was he, he did really well um and Completely different to the Maidstone hat trick and the and the uh, and the Farnborough hat trick. So, yeah, I I I tweeted out about um, at Rob Ryan Red on all the socials as we always say. If you, if you're a first time listener, go follow us on there. Thanks for all the support on there. 
over 17,000 on Twitter now, which is amazing. Um, I, I think he's going to go and do it again, which I think he's going to win league league golden boot. I think Macaulay Langstaff, he didn't play the weekend. I just think Mullen now, he scores in, he scores in bulk. Yeah, I think he's going to do it. I think it's going to be back-to-back. You don't get a golden boot, do you? You get some kind of like pound shot trophy, but he'll get another one of those pound shot trophies, I think. Yeah, it's absolutely crap, the golden boot at the National League level. It's uh, got to be so... an actual boot, hasn't it? It's got to be... You can't it's got to be golden. golden boot. It's got to be gold. Can it be fake gold? Can it be plated gold? It's just got to be Fool's a boot gold. that looks gold. Fool's I mean, gold. It's, the clue is literally in the name. But yeah, if you it's look at the... Be t- that, it? If you look at the top goal scorers then in the National League this season, Macaulay Langstaff has 21, Mullen second with 17, and you've got McShane at Dorking with 15. So... He's he's doing wonders there. Oli Palmer, by the way, fourth highest scorer in the National League this season with 12. Shout out to him. Brilliant goal. Uh, took it down so well. Stayed onside brilliantly. Emphatic finish. When I watched the replay, I didn't realise how far out he was as well. I presumed he was sort of on the penalty area. It's from the edge of the box. He is... Such a good goal, that. That goal is, of the game by a mile. He's, he's incredible. And Aaron Hayden, joint ninth highest scorer in the National League with 10. Absolutely unreal effort from him again. But bringing sort of it full circle to the to both the strikers, Mullen's hat-trick was a hat-trick of goals he just wasn't scoring in the first half of last season because he was having to drop deep. He was having to drift out wide. He was having to do all the dirty work himself. But now the Wrexham setup is so perfect in terms of the wing-backs are doing their jobs, midfielders are doing the dirty work, Ollie Palmer selfless and sacrifices himself for the cause every single week it means Mullen can play between the posts he's got the gluttony for goals and he can just stand in the right areas he reads the game so well and he's just there to tap into an empty nets now it's it's just so refreshing to see and that is what makes Paul Mullen the most complete striker in the National League even if he doesn't get the golden boot or whatever crap pound shop knockoff this is he is just complete he scores every single type of goal and yeah I love it that's and it. there's not there's not a weakness to his game and what I would say is I think you can't you can't go into you know when we watched that Dorking uncovered documentary or the um god what was it called the people who make that that's gonna bug me um, bunch of you know the one we mean bunch of amateurs thank you very much um bunch, bunch of amateurs. And, they, and you know Mark White specifically mentions Paul Mullin I personally don't believe now with the, with the depth Wrexham have got in attack and all over the pitch. I don't believe you can go into a game with a with a sole plan for Paul Mullin. Because sure, freeze Paul Mullin out of the game. He didn't score in the five 0 win at Dorking. We win five 0 Ollie Palmer scores. You know, Mendy scores. We've got so many attacking threats now. Elliot Lee, you know, Tom O'Connor has proven he can he can score free kicks and 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 score there. James Jones has proven he can score. Luke Young loves a screamer. Mendy scored. It is you can't just plan for Mullen now. It's it's got to be everyone. Yeah, there's goals from all all over the pitch, and it just means we're such a lethal and complete side. And again, that's what I say. That's why I'm so confident in Wrexham this season. Is that you know I think we have the depth now that if we get an injury or a suspension, we do have players who can come in and fit the role. There will obviously be a bit of a drop off in quality if you lose a key man, but I think we are the team who would feel those losses less uh, as it were but hopefully fingers crossed everyone Rich, on the strikers though you know there's a lot of talk about do we need to go out and get a striker thoughts on Jake Bickerstaff obviously scored in the week against Scunthorpe and a you know, good goal that was as well as well he's in the mix is he 
for me, he has to be in the mix. I'm I'm really impressed with him. He seems to have everything in his locker. Was it Oli Palmer on that chat? Was it the pitch side chat or whatever? He said Bickstaff was one of the best finishers at the club. I think that, you know, Bickstaff has so much to offer. He's really hungry. He's got lots of experience as well. Obviously, he was at Nantwich, he was at Carnarvon. You know, he's a player who's ready to be unleashed in the first team now. He's relishing minutes and I don't see any sort of purpose in just keeping him on the periphery anymore because he, he might as well come on in these games and 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 try and become the third choice striker really. I know Sam Dolby's had a bit of a, a difficult start. He's a really popular player. We saw that in his goal celebration um, was it the Oldham game when he got was it sort of bombard, bombarded by his, his, his yeah, teammates yeah, yeah. and you know it just meant so much to him. I think that there's a, a there's a good rivalry to be had there. I think Bickerstaff and Dolby, really exciting that you can have those as your third and fourth choice You know, in, in years gone by. But do you need that fifth choice? Do you need that kind of Andy Dallas just to cover yourself if, in case anything happens to Mullen or Palmer? Or can you just go with it, go with that four? I think, I think you only act on a Mullen or Palmer injury if that happens or a suspension if that happens. Right. And you reevaluate it. I think deadline day for us is late March, isn't it? Is it March the 31st is when we can't buy any more players between the end of the season unless it's an emergency deal. So you've still got three months, you know, to cover your, cover your back. It's not as if it is a January window where you've got to act. I don't think we need another striker right now because Dolby and Bickerstaff haven't really had that chance. You could play Elliot Lee up front as we've seen already this season if you had to as well. You could switch to, okay, we know it's not going to be a four-five-one, but you could switch it to sort of a three-six-one if you had to as well. It's yeah, more, I, more because Parky was talking about they were looking at two or three before Davis got injured. So I'm just wondering what other positions that's in reference to. You know, surely now that you don't go and get more midfielders, surely defence is well covered. I, well, I don't I, I, really I, know I, what areas he's looking at in terms of plugging in now. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I think he might have, might well have been looking at a centre defensive midfielder if Tom O'Connor didn't sort of hit form like he did. I think there was still remit to, to do so. You'd still say that we maybe lack a, a bruiser, a battler in midfield, but I think we've got a different sort of makeup of side. And obviously with Cannon in now, we've got an extra body in as well. So for me, what I would love, and if we're going to do this wish list now, I want not a striker maybe, but a, either another wing back or a winger, someone who can come on and offer what Mendy and Ford do in the closing stages of a game or someone who can do so if either of them aren't there. Because there might be a game where the onus is on us to attack, but Ford or Mendy's not available, and the backup options aren't quite the same. I'd love to see us go get someone like Ryan Colclough at Altrincham. He's an excellent It'd be winger. Great signing. I great think signing. he's football pedigree. He he really does deserve his a, a bigger chance, I think, than Altrincham, and that's no disrespect whatsoever. But I'd love to see us sign someone like Colclough from a mid-table National League side and he can come on in games and play as one, come on effectively as a wing back, but would be playing as a winger, like Mendy was doing at the weekend. Or he could come on and play in one of the two striker positions if needed as well. So for me, I'd love us to go get a winger. See, I'd love I'd love Kyron Lofthouse, and I know that's not a glowing endorsement given he got sent off against Wrexham earlier in the season when, when we beat Woking 3-2, but... I think, you know, down the right, he's... Was he, was he playing at right wing back for them? Really, really talented. 22 years old, good age bracket. You know, just, again, 
you you think you've got you know is is it are we saying that we need to move Reese or Bryce on or can we just add to this squad currently? There's a lot of you know I'm praising Parky for keeping everyone happy, but there's a lot of people in there that want to play and. Um, I think you they, can. I they think all can't. It's it's tough. Yeah. It really is tough now, mate. Because the harm, everything's clicking right now. While it, while everyone's fit and, and and healthy and stuff, but the margins are going to be so thin. You know, is it going to be ninety eight one hundred two? Is it going to be a hundred one hundred two or one hundred two one hundred four? It, it every. It sounds so cliche, and I sound like a manager here, but every point will count now, and. Uh, that's why it's going to be a roller coaster for twenty twenty three because every dropped point will will feel significant and and you know we'll be checking each other's results and all that sort of thing. So you know, do we just cover ourselves or do we just act as and when things happen? Maybe maybe we need to be reactive rather than proactive in terms of the the transfers now. I think so because we we've said this before as well, haven't we? We can't keep throwing money at things and we can't act like we've not had financial backing or or had the squad to to get us promoted again it's going to be one of those freak circumstances where one of the two best teams in the low divisions won't go won't go up which is just farcical and like you said you've got your article out on that that you can check out on Rob Brown Red it's just it, i i think that we've got enough already but obviously if you can add another player in then, then that's great but it would I think if you're signing another player, someone like Bryce would would have to do what Cam Green did last January and go out on loan. There's, I mean, you were looking at at the squad from the weekend, and obviously National League isn't helped by the fact that you only have five subs, which you know really limits the the opportunities you can give to players and keeping players happy by at least just having them on the bench for a game. But if you look at who we did have on the bench, we had Dolby, Jones, Lainton, McAllen, McFadden. So Harry Lennon's not on the bench. Bryce is not on the bench. Hall Johnson's not on the bench. Max Kluwer's not on the bench. That's just in defence. I mean, there's a whole nother squad there of, of, of defenders who aren't even in the in a match day, you know, sort of team. So I think that while it's easy for us to go out there and say buy someone else, how do you keep everyone happy? I think, like we said, Parky's done a great job of doing so so far, but it's it's unsustainable to keep adding players to the squad without letting some go. I guess, Rich, we've got to talk, you know, it's the end of year. Maybe we can do a couple of highs and lows, but the Kairas this season, the race course ground, I mean, you know, it, it is, we, 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 we talked last season about it needs to become a fortress. It needs to be a place people fear coming. Are we at a stage now where, you know, 29 wins in 2022, two draws, one defeat, as we all know, that, that Grimsby playoff eliminator, 108 goals scored, just 32 goals conceded. And you think we conceded 5 to Dover? 5 to five Dover, 5 to, to, five to Barnet. Um, 5 to Grimsby. And 5 to Grimsby. So there's 15 straight off the bat of the 32. Are teams lining up in the tunnel and, and they already feel beat? I think so. I, again, sort of touching on my day job now, speaking to United players, part of the, the good Fergie sides, they 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 say that you know we just felt we had teams beaten when we stood next to them because we just know we're going to score two or three goals. It's not just we're going to score goal score a goal. We are going to at least score two goals a game. So it's 
it's so difficult for any team to, to keep up with that. And I do think that that is our advantage going into the, the sort of second half of the season, as it were. We we look at the table. Wrexham, as it stands today, when we're recording this podcast, we're four points off first, we're game in hand, but we've all already lost to first and third. We've lost to Notts County and Chesterfield away from home. They've both got to come to the Kairas. So we keep on saying if Wrexham and Notts win at this rate, you know, they're going to be neck and neck to the final day. But if Wrexham keep winning and win all their home games, we'll be ahead of Notts County because they have to come to the race course and probably get a result as well. And they'll obviously be confident, but if no other team's done it all season, then it'll take a, take some doing for that to happen. And I'm really excited. Our next home game is Chesterfield. But what is the flip side of that is coming up now, we have got so many away games. It's a real interesting test for this side. I think, is it six of our next seven are away from home in all competitions or five of our next seven? We've got Solihull away in the new year, then Coventry away in the FA Cup then Altrincham away in the trophy, so that's three away games on the bounce. We then come back home for Chesterfield, and then it's Maidstone and Gateshead away in the space of a week. So, you know, we always say how good our home form is, but right now, when we're trying to keep pace with Notts County, it's going to come down to our away form. Well, there's only 500 tickets as well. They come out on December the 30th, so Friday, December the 30th, the day after this is released for Maidstone away. They're going on sale to season ticket holders. Like gold dust, these tickets now, Rich. So 500, that is the allocation for Maidstone. Have you bought your you Barnet ticket? We've almost sold no, that Barnet, which is I in April. I don't know if I'm going to get the time off. I, I, I always struggle. I don't, I, I, what I would say as well is I got tipped off that Torquay sell their own tickets. They don't tend to give the away club the privilege of selling them. So that final season game could be an absolute free-for-all whenever they drop. Wrexham's final so, game in the National League, eh? God, that would be good. A little party, party by the seaside with a National Obsession, lads, maybe. Also, I quickly wanted to shout out, because I, I don't know when I would be able to find time to slot it in, but, Richard, you tweeted about it, I've tweeted about it. You know, and fully, uh, we have to say, a fully deserved nomination for Geraint. Geraint Parry, um, nominated for community captain as part of the Premier League's 30th anniversary celebrations. You know, there's no one... Even Robin Ryan might have, might have been made free men of Wrexham, but there's no there's no one more iconic in Wrexham than, than Geraint Parry, in my opinion. You know, what a legend. Been at the club for so many years and, and very much embodies everything that it is to 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 be at the Kairos, to support, to... Yeah, what, what a bloke. Modest, understated hero. An, yeah, an absolute legend. When I did my sort of work experience at the club as well. It was just an honour to get to spend so much time with Geraint going across the country. He gave me loads of lifts and stuff as well. Um, we had great chats about the likes of Junior and Tom and stuff and he'd give me gossip and insight into the way the, the club was going. But he's just an absolute legend and anyone you meet and you say, oh, I'm from Wrexham, particularly in, in our industry as, as media, they'll say, oh, how's Geraint doing? You know, how's G? The players all call him G and, you know, he's an absolute legend he deserves to be he sort of congratulated and recognized for all the hard work he's done and continues to do but it speaks volumes of him that he's so sort of a reluctant and modest and doesn't indulge in his own excellence like he should do you know Geraint well, he's you're so an, humble hey what a bloke what a bloke what a legend and yeah all the best you you really do deserve it and like you said Nate, Robin Ryan 
again, they deserve their credit for what they're doing and giving to the community. But I'm sorry, lads, Garrett's on a whole nother level above you. Nath, victory in the, in the FA Trophy yeah. against Scunthorpe last week. We haven't done a podcast since then because I was at Old Trafford. The night we usually record the podcast was the game. Uh, we will play Ultram away, as we mentioned there in the in the upcoming fixtures. How will you approach that game? Obviously, we'll do a proper preview closest to the time. But well, I was going to ask you how are you going to approach the game. This is a, this is a divided well, I've got loyalty. Your, your house is split. Your house is going to be split. Obviously, uh, but, well, I'll go first. How would I approach it? Uh, I would go with the almost the exact same team that that beat Scunthorpe. I'd give I'd give Andy Cannon some minutes again. I would give McFadden instead of Mendy some minutes. James Jones, Rob Layton, Max, uh, Harry Lennon. Yeah, I'd go pretty much pretty much exactly the same. I probably wouldn't play Tunnicliffe. I'd probably see who else I could slot in there. Um, maybe Ryan Austin, if we could get him a game. Be really, really good. I know he's chomping at the bit to play. Uh, bigger staff again. Yeah, why not? You know, for me personally, I think if you get to the later rounds, they will use... I think if you get to a semi-final, they are going to use... Um, Mullin or Palmer or whoever, you know, they're they're, they're going to want to go back to Wembley, the owners, if the chance presents itself. So that's inevitable. But in these early rounds, you you, you don't need to. You, you've got such good squad depth. You know, for God's sake, we've got you can have Riesel Johnson, Rob Layton, uh, Bicker Staff, Andy Cannon. I mean, some Lennon, great, great players. Lennon, Clueth, the James Jones, great players that that should be better than Altrincham. But I don't know. For your sake, it's going to be split loyalties in terms of the household. Yeah, it is. Um, my partner and her family all support Altrincham. So, sadly, for me, I wouldn't be at Altrincham that day because it is Man City versus Man United that I'll be at. But, sadly, I'm going to have to do that game instead of going to, to, to the trophy match instead. For me, like you said, exactly the same approach. Give the the players on the periphery a chance to play, get some minutes under their belts. If you need to have someone like Mullen or Palmer on the bench as an insurance policy, do that. And then at full time, just bundle Ryan Colclough onto the Wrexham bus and get out of there. Yeah, that's, there you go. But how how do you feel though? Because if we do win, it will it will trigger a a postponement. This is you know from this round on, it will it will start to cause congestion. Yeah, you know, this was a free weekend because most National League teams go through, so it was a free weekend. But I know that there are people out there that that. Maybe willing us to go out. I I can't go as far as that. I I you know I'd want us to keep winning where possible, and I'm sure the players would feel the same. But maybe indifferent, aren't it? they? Yeah, like like you said, I think we all know that the league's the priority. I, I think we've got so much depth that we obviously can compete on both fronts without it being detrimental to the actual players. Like you said, though, there's the mentality issues of what happens if Notts County do pick up quite a comfortable lead on us in the league and it's down to us and there's loads of pressure on us to to respond. The games will be streamed. You'll have loads of people watching in as well. BT might pick up those games as well because they've had so many Wrexham games postponed this season. It, 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 it's the mental side of it, isn't it? But ugh, why not? Why, why, why can't we do it? I mean, Gary Mills's York City did the double, didn't they? They won promotion and won the FA Trophy so I'm pretty sure that Phil Parkinson's Wrexham would be capable of doing it as well like I said it it doesn't concern me whatsoever in terms of squad depth that we'd be able to do it the only concern is would it be a bit of a distraction in the sense that there'd be so much pressure everyone would know what we need to do and as as we saw last season we, we responded so well to claw back a title race that was never on but we did fall just short in the end and it, 
it's really difficult, isn't it? It's really difficult one to to weigh up. As long as we give the, the league all we can, then then that's all that matters, isn't it? But I really can't make up my mind on how I want us to do in the trophy. It, it is a bonus, isn't it? But it counts for nothing if you win the trophy and don't go up. Rich, I guess then let's let's finish off with we've got Solihull to come. It's really hard to preview the Solihull away game because you know we've absolutely battered them into submission at home. You know, would it shock you if we stumble a little bit away? You know, I, I would be very surprised if we go and put five past them again at their place. They're going to be licking their wounds and be very desperate to to lay response. Um, and I guess before we get onto some kind of end of season highs and lows, Solihull away completely different proposition. I'm going to be going. What, among the kind of fifteen hundred or so, whoever are going up there, um, I'm expecting. I'm expecting a tough game. Yeah, I think it's going to be much closer. Obviously, we know Kyle Storer is suspended for that game after his horror challenge at the Kairas. I'm expecting them to respond. I do think it'll be a tight game. I, I mean, you ask me every week, and I, I probably am so pessimistic because Wrexham away from home and Wrexham at home are two completely different beasts. Do I bring up my my weekly away table, you know, the form guide, you know, this season we've taken 20 points from a possible 36 away from home. You know, that is quite a drop off, whereas at home we are flawless. We've taken 33 from 33 at home. So uh, I'm not sure what to make, but if I'm going to keep talking about form, Solihull Moors sort of mid-table for home form this season. They're 11th. They've taken 19 points from 11 games. 2-1 2-1 Wrexham so, win. That's what I'm going to go. That's what I was going to say. I think let's be positive. Let's not be a pessimist for too long. They obviously will be much better than they were the other day, but I wasn't worried about them. I, they didn't create much at all. They they were hardly a threat to us. So I think, again, if we are going up the season, Solihull away, you've got to be winning. I'm going to say 2-0 Wrexham. I'm going to go I'm gonna go Ollie Palmer and Elliot Lee goals. That's what I'm going to go. One I'm going to go for... a. A toes a goal and lovely. Maybe you got to say Mullen, haven't you? What's the point of even arguing any other way? Um, yeah, but bring it on. Either way, Wrexham are winning, and we'll be here next week to to bring you all the reaction from that. Who knows? It might not end that way. But Nate, thank you very much for soldiering on through illness last week and through a fire alarm this week. No worries. Thanks so much. I'm going to say very, very quickly, a couple of them, I'm going to rattle them off very quickly for you. The high of 2022 for me, Mullins chip against Stockport in the FA Trophy. We were there watching it together. Brilliant moment. Um, biggest regret of the year, leaving two minutes early and I didn't get to shake Paul Mullins' hand away at Weymouth. That was a big disappointment. I'm really annoyed at myself for that. Um, and we know James, friend of the pod, James, did get to shake his hand, the, the, his Royal Highness himself. Um and what would I say? Player of the year, Mullin, um, close to Fulbar and Hayden. Uh what else can I think of very, very quickly? Uh lowest point of the year, Grimsby at home playoff, you know. That was the, the biggest that or Bromley, but Bromley at least we had a good time in Box Park, mate. So they're my highs and lows of the year. Thanks so much for listening, uh, over twenty twenty two. It's been remarkable really, and uh, you know, the amount of people we've got listening now is you know, more than we could have imagined when we started it off. So 99 episodes, which 19, yeah, I know there are 99 red balloons. I didn't know there were 99 Rob Ryan red episodes as well. 99 not out, bring on the century. 
Thank you so much. As always, if you can spread the word, that is the best way to give back to the podcast. Word of mouth. Tell someone who's not listening at the moment to give it a try and we'll do the rest from there. Take care. Enjoy your new year. We'll see you again next time for The 100. Thank you so much for joining us today on Rob Brown Red. Thank you to Hypnotic for providing the music. Thank you so much to Red 10 People Development for making this possible. Take care. We'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.